5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. So we're here today to provide uh, live updates for your Carolina Hurricanes, right? If somebody scores, you're going to interrupt me with the goal score. Th- is that the plan? Yeah. If someone scores during the course of the next hour, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Already, I got my finger on the trigger. Here. I I know you're excited. Uh, welcome in, everybody. It's great to have you with us, uh, Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, they keep, I don't think it's going to ice down here. I think it's just going to rain a whole lot. Ben, I was running around in, in yards today and like my feet were sinking in to the ground. It's so marshy and wet and we're going to have a bunch of rain. And, uh, I just, I hope again, I know. I hope plenty of it. I hope everything is uh, the way it's going to be. It's going to turn out fine. And then it's going to get out of here in enough time Friday that we can have baseball. Uh, four o'clock, uh, the season opener for the Pirates excited about it. They, uh, will be on the air at three forty-five, and, uh, we'll have, uh, four o'clock first pitch coverage for you here on uh, the flagship of the uh, Pirates 94.3, the game. Uh, we're going to preview Rhode Island, the pirate opponent. There's a lot of, uh, going to different places to get information. There's not like one document that you could necessarily go to and get a big Rhode Island preview on a Wednesday before the season. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. It's not easy. Yeah, not easy. So we've patched together a little uh, bit of something we'll do for you here. It'll it'll be part of uh, uh, a pirate report today. Uh, We've also got uh, for you in in just a little bit um, our guy Brian Mull joins us. We're going to talk to him about uh, kind of a cool tweet uh, yesterday involving the film Happy Gilmore. A couple of tweets, but one of them was really cool. Uh, Harold Varner III out in La La Land. He'll play tomorrow, opening round of uh, the event in Los Angeles, and uh, we'll, we'll get some college basketball uh, news and nuggets uh, with uh, Brian coming up. So that's uh, part of the uh, program today. It's great to have you uh, with us uh, here. Yeah, looking like rain. There's some talk, I guess, of maybe areas to our north. Uh, close to the Virginia border, getting some ice. And that's maybe pushing into, I, I don't think it quite makes it to I-95. Maybe it does. But uh, nothing like they have down in uh, Texas, where, I mean, you have whole power plants frozen. Frozen solid. There are people down there that have no power as a result of uh, this uh, storm that pushed through uh, Tejas. So there you go. I, I saw something very sad before um, our show came on here 
Uh, and this is, uh, she, she came here to Greenville, I think, for something at, at one of the local establishments some 15 years ago, and we were really involved in it uh, as a company. But uh, the billiard star known as the Black Widow, uh, Jeanette Lee. I think we met Jeanette Lee. Uh, but she's apparently been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Boy, that's uh, very sad. Uh, that was just uh, announced in the last uh, few minutes here. So there you go. She is uh, a woman that is uh, uh, a, a, was a huge star at a time when Billiards was uh, getting a little more run on television. Again, you got to go back probably some 15 years ago for this. And it was around that time that, uh, you know, all the poker tournaments on TV took off. And you oh, know, yeah. CJ talks my ear off about poker tournaments all the time. Got his favorite guy that yeah, cusses so, everybody out or so something. So that's kind of commonplace now, but both sports were kind of in, the making, infancy. in their infancy as far as a TV push. Because, you know, you're getting more programmable hours on TV. You were getting something beyond ESPN with Fox and uh, all the Fox regionals. Oh, there's nothing more frustrating when you try <laughs> to watch a baseball game or a hockey game, and it's the World Series of Poker on right. Fox Sports, whatever. And uh, the billiards thing, the big star was Jeanette Lee and all of that. She was a huge star. And then uh, the gambling stuff kind of overran all of the uh, – Kind of overran all of the uh, billiard stuff. It was a lot more exciting to watch people uh, high play high sp- high stakes poker, I guess. And now everybody, uh, like our aforementioned guy uh, CJ, everybody's got a poker game now. They like to have, <laughs> so that's uh, that's what they do, uh, and uh, that's all something that they see on uh, on television. So there you go. Uh, we have uh, tomorrow on the program, Coach O's going to join us. Excited to have Gary Overton on the program with us. Uh, we'll get Coach O's perspective on the uh, upcoming Pirate Baseball season. We're also going to, tomorrow, uh, hear from Coach Godwin and hear from a couple of Pirate players. Seth Cadell is one of them, uh, and I think the pitcher, Bridges, the senior, is going to be. So we'll have a couple of guys that we'll hear from tomorrow. Uh, so tomorrow is a real action-packed uh, edition of uh, our program as far as uh, everything else uh, goes with Pirate Baseball. Uh, opening game again on uh, Friday, and we'll have the games for you. Is it 2 o'clock on Saturday, Ben, that uh, the first pitch right now is scheduled for? Yep. And then uh, coming up on uh, Sunday, a 1 o'clock first pitch. So pregame 15 minutes before uh, 3.45 on Friday and the uh, ECU opening. Uh, the uh, 2021 season, a lot of folks are excited. I still, I don't know if you caught this today, but I guess the governor, they're allowing 100 fans into high school football games, which – Depending on where you are, that could be, you know, do an okay job of filling up the home stands if you're at a smaller kind of school, 1A school or a small 2A school. But if you're, if you're you know, at a bigger place like South Central or Rose, that's not going to be a whole lot of people in the stands. So you'll have no problem social distancing. What I can't figure out is we're going to allow 100 people into a high school football field, and that's basically what a majority of them are, fields with bleachers call them stadiums, very few are, are kind of that traditional stadium setting. You have a few more that look more like stadiums uh, out in the central and western parts of uh, North Carolina. But I guess uh, my question is, why are we only allowing a small amount? Why aren't we allowing more people into the ECU game if we're allowing at least that many? Now, I, I think it's the parents' thing. The way I see it is two per 
player probably two per player you're guessing maybe 50 for players yeah per team and that's probably or yeah. at least per for the per, home team. Well, yeah for the home team so that's where you're probably getting the 50 people in that's my first thought where do they get that number from uh, once again we have some random number well, it's, that an, arbit- pops up. Yeah, it's yeah. an arbitrary just picked out of thin air number yeah with no explanation on it why exactly we have that number except there's science there's right. data that we can't see that, that they never, have that we're never told about yeah so i'm guessing that uh what is the number they're letting into East? It's it's just par- well, it's just parents, isn't it? It's just two parents, uh, basically. Only so, I mean, parents. Yeah. So no real, and, you know, you're they're looking at a place that holds five six thousand people. At, again, at the seven percent threshold, which again was just just this magical number picked out of thin air for uh, football season for college football season for the Panthers. So you you had a few scant thousand people at the games, and in those stadiums, you can reasonably social uh, social distance people. Um, why couldn't you do that? It's open air. It is, no, it's not going to be warm this weekend, but eventually it's going to be warmer and open air. And, and you know, this is, it's not going to be the sort of thing. But I'll see basketball games that are being played in other parts of the country. Uh, this past weekend, Villanova played out in Omaha against uh, Creighton. And they said they had allowed, I think, 2,000 people in. It seemed like more than that. And the way, but even the other night, Florida State, there, the, I mean, you're a few seats in between you and somebody beside you, and then a row in the front and behind you. But that just, I don't know, to me, that doesn't seem like that that's real well spaced out. I guess it is. I guess they're adhering to whatever the standards are because they're a long way all these fans are from, from the playing field. We're talking Florida here. I mean, they've been well, a little. That's true. Well, no, Florida's actually been quite good. Thing. Well, no, Florida's been great during this, if you want to be honest. They're vaccinating people. They're getting unlike here. They're getting people vaccinated. They were kind of the uh, the ones that were like, "Yeah, we're gonna have fans in sports regardless." During this whole thing, well, they had people at the Super Bowl. It didn't seem to me at the Super Bowl that the fans. You know, you look at some places that have allowed fans in football. And you I think, didn't see any social distance, and I don't know about you, but it was pretty packed. I guess now that I'm thinking back about it. Yeah, it seemed like there were a lot of people there. Well, Florida said the hell with it. So, but you know, <laughs> but they really have done a much better job of inoculating people down in Florida. Yeah. And they've done a better job of kind of controlling things, but it is—it's an outdoor lifestyle, and it's warm. And our numbers were down in greater numbers. They could deny this all they want, but I mean, they were down in the warm weather months here because more people were outside, and they were—I mean, they were there. We've talked about it all summer. There were kids uh, playing these youth softball and baseball tournaments. They weren't social distancing at that stuff. They were ramming teams in, and people were making money or organizations, or somebody was making money hand over fist with those things. Um, I do know with the basketball tournament coming up, it'll be a, a, to a degree like the volleyball tournament. At least the private schools are doing this with their basketball tournament. They're going halves and halves. You know, they're allowing 25 people into the gym for a basketball game, which there are some places in the East that have seemingly been following that, and some that maybe have not. But... Uh, my dad's team at Parrot, the girls, they won their game yesterday in the first round of the state playoffs. They're going to Raleigh Friday. And he's got 11 or 12 kids on his team, but he's gonna, every, every player gets a single ticket because of the amount he's got on his team. And then the team that's hosting them will get, you know, 12 tickets. So that's how they're doing it. They're kind of dividing that up like they did the volleyball championships with the high schools. They're letting 25, you're getting 12 and 12 on each side is what you're getting in there, and they adhered to that pretty uh, strictly. 
Uh, I assume that's kind of what they're going to do for the basketball state tournaments uh, coming up as well, but we will uh, we will see. All right, uh, a break. Are you ready for the big Rhode Island baseball uh, preview? I'm ready. I need to know what this team is. What's their mascot? Or they're the Rams. They are. They're the Rams. The Ro- it's, you know, they go by Go Roadie. Go Roadie.com. Go, go Roadie. Okay. Yeah, you know, kind of Roadie. Like you call, some people call ECU EC. You know, let's go EC. I don't like here. that. Nope. Don't You're do that. You're not a fan of that? Don't do that. I'm just, I'm, but I'm, I'm explaining <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. I'm explaining it to you, Ben. I'm not saying I do it. Settle down. Simmer down over there, Ben. Uh, but yes, it's, you know, they call Rhode Island Roadie. So, you know how they call Wisconsin whiskey sometimes? You ever, have you ever heard that? This is new. I, I it, what is he saying? He says it. He thought they called Tennessee whiskey. Now, see, there's the rim shot. There's where you ought to have the rim shot. There you go. He'll be here all night. It's punishment. I hope not. Yes, punishment he ought to be. Uh, Intern Ryan with uh, interjecting a little humor. Ryan Winter is coming. An attempt. attempt. It was an attempt. It was an attempt. All right. Uh, It is the midweek edition. It's all downhill from here. God, I hope so. We will uh, take a break, and we'll come back. Uh, Preview and our pirate report of the Rhode Island baseball team. We'll tell you a little bit about them. Again, scant information two days out. But, you know, they've got basketball going on right now. I think they had 400 people at their basketball game last night at Rhode Island. They're letting people in their basketball game. There's only 400 people in Rhode Island. There might be. They're letting – they're starting up football. You know, the FCS, they're one of the CAA, a member of the CAA, they're going to be playing. So, Rhode Island baseball may be a little down on the uh, totem pole as far as, uh, you know, available, pardon me, available information. But they had a team last year that probably would have won the A-10. I can tell you that much. Uh, we'll talk uh, about all of that. On the other side of this timeout is the Patrick Johnson Show on this Wednesday on 94.3 The Game. So, uh couple inches of rain is what they're calling for here over the next uh, few hours, Ben. Or at least in the overnight hours. More rain. Nice. Last thing on earth. And you know what? Tomorrow, it's going to be a cold rain, which is going to stink. Uh, rain around 3 a.m. It'll start tonight. Low this evening of 36. Only a high of uh, anywhere from 38 to 41 tomorrow. And get this. Not an 80% or a 90% chance. Oh, no, no. This is the real deal. 100% chance of rain tomorrow. 100% chance. It lingers into Thursday night where there'll be a 90% chance of rain. And this is saying an 80% chance of rain Friday. The high of 45. Uh, Friday night, the rain's supposed to be out of here. Partly cloudy at 29. I, 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 I was looking at our vast bank of monitors. See about eight of them in there. Uh-huh. And I couldn't really understand. They only took it to a certain point with the future cast on the TV weathers. So they didn't, uh, you know, run out and go and do anything beyond a certain point. Like in the wee hours of Friday morning, they all kind of stopped. They weren't, they were non-committal to what we might see beyond 1 a.m. on Friday morning. Well, they know people want to plan for the weekend. Come on, get on. Well, it. that's what they're, they're, they're sure as heck fire showing you that on their Seven-day forecast, because it's going to be sunny Saturday at 42, 47 with bright sunshine Sunday. So, really, everything I saw earlier in the week kind of had this out of here midday. So, I think, you know, plenty of time to maybe get the baseball in. They, I mean, they're going to play till four. I don't think it's going to be a complete washout like it is tomorrow on Friday. That's what I'm getting at. But 
I don't know. This is they start to reach a little bit of a vague area. Yet they can tell us what's going to happen with the planet in 30 or 50 years from now. They can't tell us what's going to happen past 1 a.m. on Friday, but they can sure as hell tell you what's going to happen to the planet Look, and, folks. And, and climate change for 30, 50 years down the road. We know it's going to be wet. There's going to be a few wild pitches. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is your four. It's 45 very frigid degrees uh, right now. Ben, are you ready for uh, a pirate report? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. I am uh, looking forward to Pirate Baseball. We'll have Coach Godwin tomorrow, a couple Pirate players, and we'll have a one-on-one chat with the legendary Gary Overton. Coach O will be with us. You'll hear him on the uh, radio broadcast again this year for uh, home and select road games. Coach O will be part of the, uh, the big broadcast uh, and we'll get an idea of what's going on uh, from his perspective with uh, ECU baseball in the season ahead. The Pirates are uh, opening. Give me a little center field, Ben. I feel like if we're going to talk some baseball, some, particularly some Rhode Island baseball, we need a little center field, I think, for this. There we go. There we go. Ben, a good producer would have had that queued up already. Somebody needs to make a new baseball song. It's got to be more than one. Doesn't Ryan play guitar? Yeah. He does. Why didn't he write a baseball song for it? The poet? Can you write a baseball song? No? Yes, he can. I'll I'll, I'll make Why it. Why don't you help him write a baseball? Why don't you guys write a baseball song? Here we go. Pump this up a little. Pump it up a little. I want to hear what the I want to hear the song. Paying attention to Ryan. Goo goo Ian with him. Love it. All right. Perfect. Perfect uh, song to have under us for this uh, preview. Center field, the all-time great hit uh, that it is. So last year, Rhode Island got 13 games in before the stop of uh, college baseball. And they finished the season one of the hottest teams offensively in the country. Now, a lot of that was because of a single player. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. But they were 8-5 and five when things came to a screeching halt last year. But they were projected, according to D1Baseball.com, uh, as a team that was going to make the field of 64 and the 2020 NCAA tournament had it been played. Unfortunately, it was not. But when the season came to a screeching halt because of the pandemic last year, the Roadies had won six of their last seven games they played. And get this, they had scored 46 runs in the last three-game set that they played last year. Clearly, this is an offensive juggernaut, and it was led by Jackson Couts. Jackson Couts, though, is now in the Washington Nationals system. He split. Signed as a free agent. So he, while he didn't get drafted, did get uh, a chance to uh, play at the next level by signing as a free agent with the Washington Nationals. So Couts is not back, and he was their leading hitter a year ago. 12 runs driven in, four homers, a 451 batting average. Uh, and uh, this Rhode Island baseball team this year, Ben, they will open up the season at ECU. Three games set. Usually they go down to Florida. They spend like a month in Florida because you can't play baseball in Rhode Island. Too cold this time of year, right? Well, they're going to start the season, as we mentioned, at ECU. We've talked about it. Three games this weekend. 
I'm not sure if they're staying in the area or what, but then they're going to be at Old Dominion the following weekend. Not exactly Florida, but at least further south below the Mason-Dixon line. So presumably it will not be snow on the ground. On their baseball Twitter account, at Rody Baseball, you should give them a follow, Ben, at Rody Baseball. Uh, they have one of their players, they've retweeted a picture of one of their players from uh, late January when they started practice. They're standing on a field getting ready for practice, and it is snowing. There's snow on the ground, and there's snowflakes visible in the picture. I can imagine their field right now is like concrete. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be. They'll come play on Joey Perry's sacred uh, turf at Clark LeClaire, <laughs> and it'll be like playing on uh, a cloud for these guys. And on a pillow. So that's it. That's your. That's all I, I, I could really scrounge together. That was perfect. Center field just ended. That's why I was another reason I was wrapping it up. Why you're professional. That was another reason why I was wrapping it up. Uh, your Carolina Hurricanes are in action right now, as are the Wolfpack of NC State. Uh, we've got Duke basketball tonight. The first game in the post-Jalen Johnson era. You can hear it over on 107, uh, 103.7 WTIB tonight, beginning at 7.30. Uh, Duke at Wake at 8.30. Kind of a weird time. Did the Louisville game, I saw it got postponed with the Qs. Did that mess up ACC Network's uh, triple header they had planned? I think it may have, because wasn't that going to be the game that was played after State and before the Duke-Wake game? Throw UNC in there, UNC Northeastern. They might as well. You know who's calling that game tonight, don't you, on uh, ACC Network Digital Plus Minus uh, Extra, whatever they call it, Uh, your boy Hands Travel, Tyler Hansbro. Hansbro, oh, okay. He's going to be the color commentator. Psycho T. Psycho T is going to be the color commentator, Hands Travel. We'll see how that goes. You ever seen him? No. I I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Hey, I'm sure it'll be fine. He's a legend. He's a no. UNC I mean, legend. look when you look at kind of modern day legends, he's the guy, right? He's the modern day goat, and that you've had some all timers that played in that. Had some real goats go through there. You did. You had mm-hmm. some goats go through there. Uh, ben Byron right now with an update on what's happening uh, in the world of sports, and then Brian Mull joins us uh, on the Patrick Johnson Show. So stay tuned for that. Here's Ben. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barmier for your 94th Be the Game Sports Update. We have some local high school hoops tipping off tonight. We start with the 6-2 Washington Pan Pack, hosting 15-2 Living Water Christian. 73 Kinston battles ECU basketball on Blue Edwards, 2-6 Green Central Rams. And 9-2 Southwest Edgecombe travels to 1-8, betting field Bruins. From college hoops, NC State currently at the half right now. They lead 40-39. DJ Funderburg, the senior forward, leads all scores with 13 points and 5 rebounds. Later on, tipping off the night at 7, UNC Greensboro travels to VMI. The Spartans are favored in that matchup by 4. Western Carolina takes on Chattanooga. The Western Carolina Catamounts are the underdogs by 8 points. Wofford battles the Citadel. The Wofford Terriers are 9.5-point favorites. UNC takes on Northeastern, and the Tar Heels are, of course, favored in that matchup by 15. We have an American Conference matchup between UCF and USF. South Florida Bulls are the 2.5-point underdogs. And wrapping up all the action at 8.30, we have an in-state ACC matchup between Duke and Wake Forest. The Duke Blue Devils are the five-point favorites. 
For Major League Baseball, we have more details on the deal between the Cubs and pitcher Jake Arrieta. Arrieta's one-year deal is worth $6 million, and he could possibly earn $1 million on top of that performance bonuses. And from the NHL currently underway, the Carolina Hurricanes are looking to continue their hot streak. They take on a great team in their own right, the non-2-2 Florida Panthers. The Hurricanes have James Reimer in the net while the Panthers start Sergei Bobrovsky. Currently midway through the first period, it is all tied up. No goals so far midway through the first period. For your 94 through the game sports update, I'm in Barham. invite you to go to our website every day uh, and uh, check out what's going on in the world of sports. I, I see where we get some pro wrestling on there sometimes. Even. It must be some of Ben's games. Combat sports. Big shake of the head. No, it's like I wanted to, it's like I told him to throw the curve and he just shook me off on the mound there. He just shook me off on the mound. I ain't taking that one. <laughs> 94.3thegame.com It is the new look website. The Patrick Johnson Show podcast appears there uh, every day after the show. Also, our brand new podcast Inside the ECU Clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin. You can check it out uh, there for the Gavigan Agency and Carolina Digestive Diseases. Okay, uh, let's go to the guest phone line now where uh, our good friend, writer-at-large Brian Mould joins us uh, here. Brian, are you a fan? Uh, were you a fan of the Happy Gilmore movie? Or movie? Uh, it's good. It, um, I don't have the uh, affection... Or, or devotion to it that others do. I, I feel like it's a uh, slightly younger than me's generation. You know, it's their Caddyshack. And once Ooh, you've boy, already had a Caddyshack, there's really yeah, not room I was gonna say, that's for a lofty, another. That's a lofty comparison. And uh, I was an impressionable teen in the time of the Happy Gilmore uh, era, and uh, it still doesn't com- – I mean, that might be my generation, but it doesn't compare to Caddyshack. Caddyshack's the GOAT. Uh, and you cannot change my mind on that as far as golf movies go. But I, I will yeah, say to, this. To, to me, the only other movie that's been close to that as far as my enjoyment is Tin Cup. Yeah, Tin and Cup. And then everything else yeah. is a distant third. Yeah, I got you. Tin Cup's not bad. Well, I've never consider, considered Happy Gilmore so much of a golf movie as much as a Sandler vehicle. And Correct. I, I'll say this, though. This appeared uh, yesterday, I guess, was the 25th anniversary of the release of Happy Gilmore. And uh, Adam Sandler did the happy Gilmore swing and we'll see guys, you know, messing around at pro-ams and do stuff like that on the PGA tour from time to time. But this is uh, Adam Sandler and it, I hope this translates over a little bit, but let's play this Ben. This is at, this is Sandler approaching the ball as happy Gilmore and hitting the golf ball. Okay. It's been 25 years since I've done this. Let's see what happens. I'm scared. Shooter McGavin, this is for you. And I'm not lying to you, that is smashed. Smashed. And that went pretty well. You're dead, Shooter. 
<laughs> now, as athlete or as actors go, Sandler's a pretty good athlete. Plays a lot of ball, that sort of thing. Yep. Uh, but he's—I mean, I, I don't know where it went, but it sounded like he scalded it. Now, it might have been the way you know, it was a quiet golf course, but it just sounded right. So there's been in the pantheon of Twitter, which is a cesspool, but there are a few good accounts out there. You know, a lot of people like Club Pro Guy. I've been turned on to that. Our guy, Super 70 Sports, by the way, got verified. He got his blue check mark. So friend of the show, good for he, Ricky he, he Cobb. earned it. Yeah, Ricky Cobb, it. friend of the show, has earned it. Uh, but Shooter McGavin is another kind of funny one. Uh, on there based on the character in Happy Gilmore, the villain played by Christopher McDonald. Sure. Uh, the Sandler thing was cool, but this to me, the the video of Christer, Christopher McDonald responding as Shooter McGavin and putting in his living room is awesome. Play that, Ben. This is great. Nice drive, Gilmore. 25 years, huh? Let's see if it's uh, Shooter's Tour. Check it out. Oh yeah, it's all about the short game. Drive for show, putt for the dough. Money, shooter, still got it. That's great. He puts it to a glass in his living room. This is fabulous. I just thought that was Beautiful. fabulous yesterday. I would like, you know what? I, the Karate Kid has come back with Cobra Kai uh, from the villain's perspective. I think we ought to have a Shooter McGavin movie, is what I think we have, from the Christopher McDonald perspective, just based on that clip right there. A lot of backstory there. A lot of room to explore um, how Shooter became Shooter. No, I think it would be a, a smash hit. Phenomenal international success. That was cool. I, since you're kind of, since you are a golf guy, not kind of a golf guy, since you are a golf guy, I, I just, I thought that was cool yesterday, and I thought the Shooter McGavin uh, response on Twitter was, was cool. I don't know who runs the Shooter McGavin Twitter handle, but the, if it's not Christopher McDonald, to pull that off is that's a goat move right there. Wow. Random uh, little trivia here: uh, Christopher McDonald was in a subsequent golf movie called The Squeeze, mm. which just so happened to be filmed right down here in Wilmington. Uh, scenes at the Municipal Golf Course, Eagle Point, I believe Cape Fear, and uh, a couple of uh, local hotshot. Younger golfers uh, had some cameos in the, in the event in some of the, the gambling scenes, mm -hmm. and uh, he plays a villain kind of in that. It orchestrates the whole thing as well. Uh -huh. it went, it's, the Golf Channel will show it from time to time. It, I don't think it ever made it into the theater back when that was a thing, but uh, it's it's a fun little, you know, if you've ever been down this way and played any of these courses, it's cool to kind of spot them in some scenes. Well, Christopher anyway. McDonald is the kind of the ultimate uh, 80s, 90s bad guy, you know. For sure. As, yeah. as far as uh, actors go. Uh, Brian Moles joining us here. All right. I want to, uh, I do want to bring up Riviera. This is one of, I think, your favorite events of the year. It's just a gorgeous setting. I think, I I'm pretty sure Hank Hinton has played that golf course in the last few years. Uh, but it's it's just a gorgeous course in L.A. And HV3, Harold Varner III is playing. First of all, kind of handicapped the field. And what do you think uh, Harold's chances are to, to kind of get on track and get going this year at this event? Yeah, Harold has quite a history there. Um, pretty sure he was on the East Carolina team that made it to the NCAA finals, which were held at Riviera. Mm -hmm. um, I could be wrong there. Of course, Raleigh's Doc Redman is in the field as well. He won the U.S. Amateur on that course a few years ago. Um, 
It is a beautiful place. I've, I've been fortunate to be there uh, several times. It's there in Pacific Pal- Palisades, uh, right adjacent to the Brentwood uh, subdivision <laughs> a neighborhood there that was pretty famous one time and not too far from the beach. But just the, the landscape, um, it kind of sits down and, and has its own weather. It'll be 15 or 20 degrees cooler there than it will be over at the you know at the coast and, and, and uh, beautiful eucalyptus trees and uh, just classic LA. I mean, there's no hazards. There's sand. There's no water hazards really on the golf course. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a classic test and it's attracted by far the strongest field we've seen in the U S so far this year. And if I'm not mistaken, I mean, it's, it's a, like a traditional country club kind of, I mean, there's houses, uh, gorgeous houses, right? Yeah, Mel Brooks. Yeah. Mel Brooks famously lives up way up on the cliff uh, above the Eleventh Fairway, and uh, certainly, you know, you in the days of uh, spectators, you would see a few, um, you know, B-listers stumbling around the grounds, walking around the grounds uh, incognito. But it's definitely got the total LA feel from the traffic. Uh, I think Phil came in by helicopter one year mm. um, because of the traffic around there. It's just you know brutal when you you know if you've got a midday tea time or whatever and you get done and trying to go anywhere is nearly impossible. But yeah, it's just a classic. Uh, probably the best opening tee shot in golf. You literally walk right out of the clubhouse to this uh, tee that, that sits up forty or fifty yards above the fairway, and it's a par five. And if uh, anyone who goes there and plays, uh, they announce your name on the first tee. So if you weren't nervous enough and, right. you know, there's 10 or 20 people maybe on the balcony watching, uh, you get to get to make, hit your first tee shot after they've announced you. You know, here's Patrick Johnson. He's a guest of Mr. Oh, right. Smith, and uh, he's now, te- now, now driving. And uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a pretty easy par five uh, for the tour players. You'll see a lot of birdies and a handful of eagles there. But, but after that, the, the course is relentless. Ben Hogan called the fourth uh, the best par three in the world. Uh, just, just a lot of neat holes, you know. Um, not, not any uh, roller coasters or windmills or, or crazy water finishes like we, we see at a lot of courses on tour. It's just uh, hit the fairway, hit the ball in the right spot on the green, and try to make a few pots. All right, our guy Brian Mole at BG Mole on uh, Twitter. I want to switch over to uh, college hoops. Uh, the big news this week: Jalen Johnson uh, deciding to leave the Duke pro, opting out. I think was what the uh, the official press release uh, said. I may have said this to you. I said it on the air yesterday, but I may have said this to you uh, at the time because uh, we were sort of texting back and forth watching the Duke State game. And what was interesting uh, to me is the, the Duke bench is up. They're all into it. And Jalen Johnson, this is in the first half, uh, is sitting there head in hand. Everybody else, from the, even the guy that never plays, is up, you know, and they're, they're fired up and into that rivalry game. And to me, that's when that was my. Uh, you know, uh, voila moment, uh, that, okay, this guy must be a bit of a malcontent. And I bet that has an impact. I, I, Adam gold today was trying to, you know, dispel some of that says Duke is not a better team. And from a talent standpoint, he's absolutely right. They're not a better team without Jalen Johnson, but this could be addition by subtraction. I'm not saying this Duke team is going to go on a run, but I, to me, Duke played a lot freer and looser on Saturday against NC State. Now, State is terrible, but a lot of that had to do, in my opinion, with the fact that Jalen Johnson was parked on the bench. Oh, and they defended. I mean, I think the biggest knock on this team is, is they just haven't been able to stop anybody. When you're giving up 90 points to Notre Dame on your home court, you've got major problems on the defensive end. And uh, I, It looked like 
for one of the few times this year, they were somewhat connected on the defensive end. Now, like you said, NC State in their current form doesn't pose the greatest challenge um, on the offensive side. Uh, Beverly's out there playing hurt, and you know, no Devin Daniels. I mean, they really don't have a lot of playmakers. But Duke looked like they were engaged. They looked like they had better better energy and chemistry. And uh, you know, there's certainly enough talent there that they could win some games coming down the stretch. Will it be enough for them to to make any kind of a a charge for the NCAA tournament? That's doubtful. I mean, they'd really have to get hot at this point because they just don't have any good wins. You know, they don't that they, 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 any win they could quality win they could get going forward would be their first. And um, yeah, outside of maybe Clemson, but um, I, I think. You know, it was just never seemed to be a great fit for whatever reason between Johnson and Duke. Uh, he had some back injuries, you know, which certainly we don't know the, the you know, severity of those. But um, it just never seemed to be a great fit. And when you play the one and done game, that's going to happen from time to time. I mean, I think any coach who's been through that uh, would would say that there's just some instances where it just doesn't work out for either side. All right, Brian. Um is Florida State the team to beat in the ACC now? Yes. I felt like all all along, you know, it's been such a hard year to gauge teams because just when a team would start winning or playing well, maybe they'd have to go on pause or, or, or not play some key games that, that really would have revealed more about what type of team they have. But I felt like from the beginning, I mean, you just they've certainly passed the eye test when they walk in. I mean, they've got incredible size and athleticism and, and good enough shooting, and uh, they've got a lot of people. You know, which in this year more than ever seems to be really important to to have some quality depth where you can go eight or nine deep without a drop off. And uh, you know, this is the the weakest ACC of my lifetime that I can remember. Uh, I, I don't know if the analytics back that up necessarily, but it's probably close. And I think they are they are the best of the lot, and probably the only team that I would feel good about having the opportunity to make it to Indianapolis for the Final Four. Well, right. I guess they're going to start in Indianapolis, but right to end up end up there as one of the last four teams playing as well. All right, so uh, was it earlier in the week that they uh, put out the top 16? Is that right? Yeah, I think it was over the weekend. Okay. Yeah. Do you uh, have any exception with how that is kind of played out right now? I guess Ohio State is in there. That was a, a tad bit of a question in some people's uh, mind, and, and maybe Alabama uh, or uh, Villanova play their way into that other number one eventually. But uh, – you know, as far as their top 16 seeds, I guess you always can look at the fours. Mizzou, Texas, who's on a pause, Texas Tech, and uh, Iowa. Any any gripe with those four? Well, Mizzou's lost three in a row. Uh, they went to Athens last night and got hammered by Georgia. They've been down uh, their starting center, Jer- Jeremiah Tillman, who's a big part of what they do. The last couple of games, and they've certainly missed him on the defensive end. And um, running offense through him, so they they would have dropped. I would imagine uh, just just right. on the, in the short term. I think Ohio State's legit. Look, the Big Ten's really good. I mean, you've probably got four of the top ten teams in the in the country in that conference. They're seventeen and four, eleven and four in the league. Uh, they're on a nice streak. Chris Holtman's a terrific coach. Of course, uh, you know, honed his skills at Gardner Webb before going to Butler, and then uh, has, has really done a good job at Ohio State building that program back up from where it was when he took over and. Uh, Alabama's when Alabama's making shots, they're the, as scary as Gonzaga, Gonzaga or Baylor. Yeah. Um, now, when they're not, they they don't look, but they they defend. You know, even though they give up a lot of points, I mean, they have, they play high high possession games. But when they're making shots, because they have three or four guys generally on the court that can make threes, and when two or three of those guys are hitting, 
they're, they they look unstoppable because they're just relentless uh, and and they're basically shooting threes or trying to get to the rim and uh, not much in between and that's a you know it's a great way to play offense if you've got the personnel to do it. One real quick, I think, one of I the games they're the best team in the SEC. One of the games of the weekend uh, was uh, West Virginia Oklahoma in double overtime. Do you like either one of those? Uh, teams to maybe make a real serious run? I do like West Virginia um, and, and Oklahoma both. Yeah, I think both of those teams are uh, they're going to be hardened by going through a, a very good Big 12 and, and playing the home and homes and, uh, you know, kind of emerging from that, playing the different styles that you see in that conference. And West Virginia with uh, Derek Culver has a legit, you know, first-round NBA guy and a, and a lot of good shooters and guards around him. And Oklahoma is one of the best defensive teams I've seen. Uh, Lon Kruger, of course, his, his resume and record speaks for itself. He's won everywhere he's been. And, uh, you know, they don't quite have the star power that some of the other programs do, but, um, you know, he's he's been to the Final Four as recently as four years ago. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, this this team could grind out. You know they're kind of built for the tournament. They're gonna they can grind out those possession games and and, and come up with the rebounds and and uh, just kind of you know be be the tougher team, which is what it takes to move on in that bracket. All right, uh, Brian Mole, we appreciate it very much. Thanks a lot. We'll uh, catch up with you uh, next week at some point. Okay, Patrick. Have a, have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. You can catch Brian Mole on Twitter at bg mole. Oh, we had a goal. We had a goal. What do we got, Ben? We got two of them. Oh, that's why you did it twice. Okay. Sebastian Ajo, Seabass, and Jordan Stahl, two centers. Into the first period, two zip, Kane's lead. There you go. Gilbert Godfrey, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, what is it? Cameo. Gilbert Godfrey Cameo is apparently coming. He's apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. That's a big thing yeah. on Kane's I've read he's a really, uh, really cheap. He is. I, Gilbert's a sweetheart of a guy. I met him before and interviewed him. He's a sweetheart of a human. Uh, but he is chintzy. Yeah. I that's, like that. I think that's funny. No, yeah. That's but even he, funnier. He, he does uh, Kane's cameos now, uh, cheering for the Kane. Somebody's paying him to do it. Flair betrayed us. Ric Flair, he's just, mm. he's uh, he's up for sale. Anybody wants Ric Flair. Nice. That used to be our thing. Slick Rick needs some cash. So. Uh, 6'9 Canadian out of Montreal. Marlon Leston has verbally committed to the Pirates. That's being reported out there. Uh, apparently a long, versatile Ford. A guy like uh, Jalen Gardner with a great motor, good skill set, and uh, said to be a diamond in the rough. So Joe Dooley picking up uh, a Canadian forward, 6'9", in a uh, verbal for uh, next year. We'll grab a break. A legendary voice silenced. Next. And now... The stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. So, I'm sure you uh, know if you've listened to any of our stations uh, and listened to uh, 103.7 and 96.3 that uh, Rush Limbaugh died this morning. He had been diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer a little over a year ago and and i i don't think at the time he got the diagnosis there was a big uh uh very good chance that he would make it very far into last year and, and by god he lived over a year with the disease uh which is uh remarkable but uh he died today i i've started on gold and flipped over to just see if uh the, the one of the guys that substitutes for rush is a guy named mark stein i think he's hilarious 
And of all the uh, one-syllable, first name, two-syllable, last name, middle-aged white guys that fill in when Rush isn't there, Stein is hilarious because he's British and what ha- or Canadian or something. But he's very funny. He has a British accent. The rest of them. Now. But uh, I- I'll say this, and whether you like Rush Limbaugh politically or not, uh, fantastic uh, just entertainer on radio. And, I mean, he had his political slant and he had other things. But he was just a, a brilliant kind of performer on radio. Uh, what he did, I mean, it's it's hard to do. I mean, I, like, we do an hour here. And some days it's like, whew, you know. And I mean, he he could have done the whole show without, you know, any callers. He did take callers, obviously. But he had just a great staff. And they did a really great job of interweaving sound bites in. It just, it was fantastic. But if you don't, again, if you don't like him politically, understand. If you don't want to respect him for being a radio guy, I'll give you another reason why. For the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years of that show, he virtually is deaf and is doing the show every day. I mean, look, and I've worked in some shady operations where you can't hear yourself broadcasting, and that is tough. And... I mean, imagine being practically deaf and not being able to kind of hear yourself very clearly or people you're interacting with clearly. Uh, it, that's remarkable. Uh, so Rush Limbaugh, dead at uh, 70 years of age today. Uh, a big part of, uh, look, uh, this company probably wouldn't be what this company is without Limbaugh and Talk Radio uh, because our talk stations are a huge part of our, our deal here. Uh, so uh, Rush Limbaugh, dead at age 70. Big thanks to Brian Mole for being on with us today. It's good to have him. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Oh, boy, tomorrow's one of those action-packed shows. Comments from Coach Godwin, Pirate Baseball players, and our Pirate Report. And then Coach O will be on with us. Gary Overton. Dr. Gary Overton. On with us tomorrow. A great job, as always, by Ben. Great to see Ryan as well. And we'll see everybody tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Patrick Johnson Show.